We've been in a little series for the last several weeks. Uh, um, about a month ago, I did a message on why do we call us Primitive Baptist Church? Why did we call us, why do we stick the word Baptist in there when they constitute the church? A couple of weeks went by, then I did a study and we did a lesson on, on why we stuck the word primitive in our ch- church title, uh, Mount Olive Primitive Baptist Church. And last week we did a study of why do we call ourselves a church? What exactly is a church? So what I'd like to do is, is focus a little bit on this. We didn't last week when we talked about the who, who makes up a church. But today I want to talk about the thing that uh, uh, unites us, the thing that we have in common. There's a lot of groups out there. There's, there's social clubs. There's men clubs. There's women's clubs. There's, there's ball teams. And, and there's uh, the Rotary Club. And there's Toastmasters and all these different clubs. And they have mottos and, and, and they have um, mission statements. But, but what, what unites us here? And in my mind, the thing that unites us is it's faith. i got to admit that uh, this subject was very heavily weighted earlier in the week. When Deborah came to me, I think it was Sunday or Monday, and she asked me a bunch of questions about faith. And then, as you know, Monday night I was speaking at the rescue mission, and when I speak at the rescue mission, I get prayer requests from some of the residents there, and I got a whole stack full, and most of them were very sweet. I've got a stack of them right over there, but one of them, uh, the request was, now again, I wasn't laughing, I wasn't be self-righteous, but the request was, uh, help me hit the Virginia lottery. And uh, again, I didn't look at it as, as self-righteous, but, but one thing I have to, to, to realize, it, it brought me back to a message I preached a whole year ago. And if you remember that message, it was where we believe in a God, and we believe in a God that's a father, but we don't believe in a God that's a genie. You think, what's the difference between that? Well, a God the Father loves his children, and any good father loves them enough to realize that if I give my children everything they want, whenever they want it, that's actually not being a good father. Sometimes no is the best answer. Whereas a genie is right the opposite. A genie has to grant whatever request you want, and that's what a genie does. And we believe in a God that is a father, and he loves us so much that he just doesn't grant us the things we ask for that's not best for us short term and long term. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at what faith is, and faith is a little bit different than the, what we might think. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. The faith chapter. And right in the beginning, there's a definition of faith. So that's probably a pretty good place to start. Okay? What's faith? What's faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, elders obtained a good report. Well, Brother Dolph, that seems kind of vague to me. What, what, What exactly does that mean? Well, if you, if you spend any time in the Bible, you, you'll notice that the word hope in the Bible means a little bit different as it's moved over the centuries. Now, the way we use hope is, you know, I hope the weather's pretty tomorrow. Or I hope we have a good crowd tomorrow. Or I, I hope I get this job. See, that's kind of saying I'm wishing something happens. But the way the Bible uses hope, it actually uses a lot stronger than just wishing for something. Hope is a confident expectation. Hope is actually stronger than faith. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, the elders obtained a good report. So, evidently, there were some elders, some Old Testament people. And, and what we're going to read as we go through chapter 11, we're going to find 18 different accounts of people that had faith. And as we go, we're not going to go through all 18. Don't worry about that, because we'll be here for a couple hours. 
But we're going to go through several of them. And the question I want to ask you is, is when the faith is talked about of these people, was the people just sitting on their knees, Lord, give me this, give me this, give me this. Now, don't get me wrong, prayer is really, really important. But you're going to find out that it's, Lord, I need this. What am I supposed to do? And God will tell me what to do. And then you go ahead and do it, and then God blesses it. Now, as we go through it, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting God in a box. God can do everything from A to Z without any action on our part, and sometimes He does. But you know what? As I read Scripture, most of the time, He doesn't operate that way. You know why? Because He's a father, and He's not a genie. Sometimes He's a genie. Now, I hope that doesn't sound disrespectful. Sometimes He just looks at us and just has mercy, and that's just everything. And you know what? Sometimes as a biological father, I'll look at one of my five children and I'll just go and give them everything from A to Z and not require anything. But if I do that every time they ask for something, when they hit 25, guess what? I'm uh, not going to be ready for, for, for lead about a household, will they? Okay? Do you understand? So God is a loving father and he acts as a father. And sometimes that father says, okay, I'll do this, but you're not ready for it right now. And if I give it to you right now, you need a little bit more. So that's scripture, okay? We're going to keep on coming back to this definition, all right? So if you've got a ribbon, put it there. We're going to spend a lot of time right there in Hebrews chapter 11, 1 and 2. We're going to keep on coming back to this, and hopefully we can define it by doing this, this our time together. 18 different examples of faith. 18 different examples of faith. Abel showed faith when he made the sacrifice. Enoch showed faith when he sacrificed. Noah showed faith when he prepared the ark. Do you understand? There's something doing there. God said something, and the faith was, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. It doesn't make any sense in my mind, but you said it, I'm going to do it. And you go ahead and do it, and he blesses it. That's faith. That's faith. It's faith in his word. It's faith in his will. It's faith in his sovereignty. Let me give you a story here, okay? Let's pretend we have two farmers. You got it? Two farmers. Farmer one and farmer two. They both live in the same community. They both have suffered a couple years of drought. Okay, so springtime rolls around, and they hadn't made any money for the last two or three years. Got it? Farmer number one hits his knees, and he says, Lord, I want rain, I want rain, I want rain. And all spring long, he prays for rain. Is that a good thing? Well, yeah. But farmer number two hits his knees first day of spring, and he says, Lord, I need rain. And then he goes out and he plows up his field. And he says, Lord, I need rain. And then he goes and seeds his field. And he goes, Lord, I need rain. And then he goes and he covers up his field. And then he puts down the fertilizer and he says, Lord, I need rain. My friends, which one showed the most faith? Farmer number one or farmer number two? It's farmer number two, right? You got it? So there's how the action works. It's, it's, it's not all asking, but it's not all doing. It's both. It requires both. Yeah? Okay. And you know there's some scripture for this? This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not read. I'll guarantee you, farmer number one will not harvest the crop. Right? He did all the praying, but he will not harvest the crop. And actually there's a good movie out there. It's, what's it called? Faith Like Potatoes? Have you ever, ever heard that movie? Faith Like Potatoes? There's a good movie out there that, that's based on this principle, the farmer illustration I just gave you. But notice what it says in verse 6. In the morning, sow thy seed. 
And in the evening, withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether thou whether shalt prosper. Either this or that, whether they both shall be alike. Good. In other words, when it's time, dig up your ground. When it's time, put your seed in. When it's time, go out and fertilize it. I'm not sure if God's going to prepare blessing or not. But the faith is, is I'm doing what I'm supposed to do at the right time and, and does it. So, you know what though? Maybe God will say, not a harvest this year. Not yet. You're not ready. You're not strong enough. You're not dependent on me now. God, remember God, uh, Brother uh, Danny prays this all the time. God answers three ways. He can say yes. He can say no. And sometimes he says, not yet. Not yet. Right? And I've done that with my children. Dad can have a car. Not yet. Not yet. I don't quite see the maturity in you yet. You're taking several thousand pounds of metal, hurling it down the road. You can take out a father of so many children. Not yet. I need to see a little more maturity. So they work and they show the maturity and I go, now yes. Well, God does that too. Sometimes he looks at us and he says, not yet, brother. Not yet. You're not ready to handle it. If it comes right now, you'll think you did it all. You need to hold back just a little bit. He loves us. Why? Because he's a father. He's not a genie. He does what's best for us, our long-term interests. Okay? Let me give you another example. Two churches. We had two farmers, farmer one and farmer two. We got two churches, churches one and church two. Both of them have suffered years of low numbers. Okay? Church number one, anyone guess what they're going to do? They're going to hit their knees and pray. Lord, help us grow, help us grow, help us grow. Church number two hits their knees and they pray, Lord, help us grow. But then they start sharing the gospel and they start inviting people and they start reaching out through the community. And all between those chores are saying, Lord, help us grow, help us grow, help us grow. Which church shows the most faith? Amen? Too many times we are looking for the genie God. Whether it be in our lives, talking about personal finances and looking for a job, or whether it be a church and looking for growth, or, you know, just, just a farmer. And we're going to look at Scripture, we're going to look at God's definition of faith, and you know what? God's definition of faith is way more like farmer too, and it's way more like church too. Now, does he do things from A to Z? Yes, sometimes he does. But, but that's not his typical mode of operandi. Amen? All right. I love to look at this preacher. His name was Gaius. G-A-I-U-S. Notice what it describes him in 3 John. 3 John. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. What is the truth? What did they see? Did they see Gaius on the corner, in his bed, in his closet, praying, Lord, help me grow and help me grow the church, help me help the church grow? He says, you know what they saw? They saw his walk. They saw his walk. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to brethren and to strangers. You know what Gaius was doing? He was reaching out to the church members and he was preaching out to people that were church members. And he was doing it. And that's what they saw. That's the testimony. And then verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. What was our definition over there in Hebrews 1 and 2? Let's go read that again. 
Let's go back. There it is. Right there. Now faith is the substance of things not hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. What got Gaius the good report? His walk, his reaching out to his brethren and strangers. What got these elders a good report? They're sitting in the closet and praying, or the things they were doing in obedience, what people saw. Okay? Now, you're, you're looking at this, and this is the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's not seen? Let me explain it to you. <clears throat> let's, let, let's give an example. One of the examples is in, in, in Hebrews 11, verse 7. And it says, by, Noah, by, by faith Noah built and prepared the ark. That's, to me, that's an example of something not seen. Well, wait a second. I can see him building the ark. I can see him gathering the lumber. I can see him cutting the wood. I can see him bolting it and, and nailing it together. I can see him putting the pitch and the mortar on there. And I can see him doing that for all the time it took to build that ark. I can see that. You know what's not seen is God told Noah, Noah, I'm sick up. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of the earth right now and all the people mocking at me. And, 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 and their displeasure and, and their wickedness and I had enough and I want you to build this ark and Noah I'm just imagining this is me reading between the lines Noah's sitting there and he says an ark in the middle of the dry ground I don't get it God and God says build an ark right here and Noah's sitting not knowing how it's going to turn out not understanding why I should build a big boat right in the middle of the land he went and did it anyway. He didn't know what was going to happen. He couldn't see far off. He didn't understand. And he says, by the way, I'm going to make it rain. And Noah said, rain? What's that? Do you realize it never rained until then? Never. God, what's this rain stuff you're talking about? It had never rained up to that point. The waters came from the earth. And there was this dome around. He says, no, the water's going to come down from heaven. Well, I don't know how that's going to work out because you said so. I'm going to build this ark. Then he said, you know what? I'm going to flood the earth. And he's looking at the ground. And he's looking, there's not any water around here. How are you going to do that? He didn't see it. He didn't understand how it was all going to work out. But God said it, so he prepared the ark. You understand the difference? So it's the things hoped for. It's the confident expectation of what God said was going to happen is going to happen. And you go ahead and do it. Even though you don't have all those details are crystallized in your mind, you're going to say, God, you said it. That's the way I'm going to do it. It might not make sense to me, but because you said it, I trust you. You've been right every time before. And I go ahead. That's faith. That confident expectation in God's word, even though you don't know how it's going to work out. And when you do those things that God says, people look up to you and that's where the good report comes from. That's faith. That's the faith we're going to look at today. And that's the thing that binds us as a church. The confidence we have in this word. Okay. <clears throat> All right, let's go back to our second witness. Right now I've given you my theory. I don't think it's theory. I think we've got some pretty good evidence right there from Hebrews 11.1. 1. Maybe I'll call it my second witness. Okay, Not my theory, my second witness. James has a conversation and he talks about faith and works. I think this is exactly what's under consideration, how I described how faith and works come together, how they are united. You got it? I'm in James chapter 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? I'm going to skip down to verse 17. Don't worry, I'll hit 15 and 16 in a second. 
Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Let's go to all Noah. Okay? God says, Noah, I'm going to destroy this whole planet. I want you to build an ark. And he says, well, I don't know how to build an ark. And I've never seen rain before. And I've never seen a flood before. So what I'm going to do here is what? I'm going to what? What am I going to do? I've never seen these things before. How is this all going to work out? So you know what God does? God builds this ark for him? No, that's not what he did. He said, Noah, I want you to build this ark. So what did Noah do? Did Noah say, Lord, please deliver me from the wrath? No, God told me to build an ark, so he builds an ark. And he does build the ark. Lord, I need a job. Okay? And you know what? By the way, I do. You got it? Mine's running out in two weeks. Lord, I need... That's the way I say it. It's first and foremost on my mind. I need a job. Well, I can stay in my closet and I can pray for a job. Or I can start filling out applications and hitting the pavement, making contacts, making connections, start networking, all that stuff you're supposed to do. Maybe I need to take a computer class and bolster some skills and make me more marketable. Maybe I can do those things. But you know what? The whole time I'm praying, Lord, give me a job. But sometimes he expects us to do the things that we're supposed to do to bless him. Why? Because he's a father. He's not a genie. You get it? So here's Noah. And, and this is what it says right here. It says, though a man say he have faith and have not works. Lord, I have faith. I don't know how that rain stuff's all going to work out. And I don't know how this the flood stuff's going to work out. So, Lord, you got to deliver me from this flood. And he says, no, I am going to deliver you. Build the ark. Build the ark is the faith. It's the evidence of the faith. You got it? Okay. Let's read in between. 15 and 16. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute for food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give him not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So what if someone comes up to you and says, Brother Dolph, I'm hungry. He's okay, brother. I understand. I understand. I've been hungry too. I'll pray for you. Is that what God expects? You know what's being here? She said, no, you help them out and you give them some food. Your brother Dolph, it's winter's coming up, and all of the guys are this raggedy old sweater. I'll, I'll pray for you. Well, the Bible says, give him a coat. Give him a coat. Do you understand? Back to it. Though a man say he hath faith and not works. That's how the two connected. Just like farmer one and farmer two. Farmer one had faith, he was praying to God. But farmer two had faith and works, and together they went together. Church one had faith, it was praying for more members. But church two did both. They did the things that the Bible said New Testament churches are supposed to do. And they prayed, Lord bless us with growth. Man number one that was looking for a job prayed for the job and depended on God for that job. But number two was still hitting the concrete and doing the applications and said, Lord, please bless my efforts. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You got the difference? Okay. God is a father. He's not a genie. And he knows for our long-term goal to sit back and give us everything we ever ask for is not going to mature us because the fathers want children to mature. So when they're gone or when they're backing away, they can be more mature and they can grow. Okay. Let's look at some of these folks in the Bible. I want to take this one section of Scripture, and they're all really close together. This starts with Moses' life. 
Now remember our definition of faith is the things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Okay, we're going to look Hebrews 11, verse 23. <clears throat> this is what it says. This is the faith of Moses' parents, mom and dad. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Do you remember when Moses was born, there was a decree put out by Pharaoh? And what did Pharaoh say? Kill all the male babies. Kill all the male babies. So, mom and dad, this is Moses' mom and dad, hit their knees. And they said, Lord, please make it be a girl, please make it be a girl. And the boy comes out. He didn't answer him. And he said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. But we're not going to obey that wicked old Pharaoh. And we're going to hide our son. You know what? That's an act of faith. They could have said, here Pharaoh, Lord, please deliver our baby. Please deliver And then hand the baby right over to Pharaoh. You know what the act of faith was? The act of faith was disobeying the civil government. You think that could never happen? Did you know there's similar decrees in China right now? Did you know if a wife shows up pregnant with her second child, you know what they do? They send her to the hospital and they have abortion. Do you think there's any Chinese folks there that are saying, I know the government's going to do it, and I know they're going to find me, and I know society is going to outcast me for having that second child, but I'm more concerned in doing you than I am that, so I'm going to defy the government, and I'm not going to have this abortion for the second child. And when you don't have that abortion in China for that second child, you're in a heap of trouble. I think they charge you the equivalent of $10,000, and society just shuns you and mocks you and leaves you out like you were a leper. That's the social pressure. You know what the faith is? The faith is, Lord, help me endure this pain. Do you understand the action? Okay. Let's go to the next one. Faith, 11, 24, and 25. This is Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughters. Moses had this really cushy life. He had the life of a king. He had food just brought to him. He had horses and chariots and a lavish bed and a palace to sleep in. And you know what Moses did? Moses said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And his act of faith was saying, Lord, I'm walking away from this cushy lifestyle to going out to the world of the unknown and live as a servant, as a shepherd out in the wilderness. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. And Lord, I don't know where my next meal is coming. But because you said it, I'm going to obey you and I'm going to do that. Do you understand the works and the faith? It wasn't just the genie. It was the Father doing the works. Okay? 11.27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. That was Pharaoh. We all saw the movie Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. You remember what happened when God said, go approach and face Pharaoh? And Moses was afraid. He says, that guy's going to kill me. So Moses went, and he says, he didn't know how it was going to turn out. He didn't know Pharaoh was going to kill him. He didn't know, I don't know if he was going to throw him in jail. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. But God told him, Moses, I want you to go face that Pharaoh. And he went and faced Pharaoh. And do you see how the works manifested the faith? You got that? <clears throat> We're going to bring this home to our kitchen tables in a little bit. We're going to see more of this type thinking in our lives than we care to admit Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Through faith they kept Passover. Can you imagine that first Passover meal? There's a decree. The first, based on prayer, the firstborn of every child will be killed. I don't understand. Lord, God, how's that going to work out? I don't know, but you said it, but I believe it. So I want you to take a lamb, 
and I want you to kill that lamb, and I want you to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the post and the lintels of the door, and go inside and wait. Well, how's that going to protect my oldest son? That's the evidence of things not saying. I don't know how that's going Because you said to do it, I'm going to do it. And it turned out. Do you see faith and works together? There were some people there that said, Lord, deliver my oldest son. But the ones that said, Lord, deliver my oldest son and put the blood in the post of the lintel, they got delivered. That was the faith. Believing God's word and doing all that you knew to do. You got it? All right. We're getting there. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Now, as a military strategist, Moses going up to the Red Sea was the dumbest thing he could have ever done. To the north, there was a great big armament. To the south, there was a great big armament. Behind was Pharaoh and his army closing on them, and he boxed them in basically into a canyon. So he comes up to the Red Sea, and the people are murmuring at him, Moses, you dunderhead, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. Wouldn't have been better off being slaves than dying right out here? And Moses said, stand fast and see the salvation of the Lord. And he laid down his rod and God opened up that thing. You know what? Do you think those people really understood how that rod was going to divide the sea? And once that sea was divided, they could go by and their carts wouldn't get all bogged down in the mud of the riverbed? Do you understand that? They didn't know how that was all going to work out. But because God said to do it, Moses had the faith. They followed him in faith and they obeyed. What's faith? Faith is trusting God and His Word, doing everything He said to do, but then leaving the result all to His hand. That's where the works and the faith are united. Okay. 30. One more time. This one makes me smile. Okay. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Can you imagine Dwight D. Eisenhower in World War II saying, I'm going to conquer Berlin, and he says, troops, I want you to around Berlin seven days in a row. Do you think the generals and the colonels and the captains would have thought Dwight D. Eisenhower absolutely out of his mind? Absolutely. That's a crazy strategy, but that's what God told him to do. He says, I want you to go around and circle that city every day for six days. There's six. And on the seventh day, I want you to go around seven times. Lord... What's this got to do with conquering a city? And here's the most basic, here's the most incredible act of faith. He says, when you're circling, I want you to be quiet. I'm talking. So they circle around six days and they're quiet. And on the seventh day, they circle around seven times. And on the seventh time, all of a sudden, the walls come crumbling. What would happen if they didn't go around cities 13 times? What if they only went around 12 times? Do you think the walls would have come down? What if going around, they were yapping the whole time? They were talking about the football game last night. You're laughing, I know, okay? Right? Our two twin teenage guys are talking about the pretty teenage girl that was walking 30 steps ahead of them. God said, be quiet. And that act of faith made the walls come down. Do you see how faith and works are united? God gives us a command, and we say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. It doesn't make any sense to my puny little brain. But because you said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you for it. So many times in Bible, you'll see precept and then promise. A command and then a promise afterwards. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then the promise is, you'll have quality of life and quantity of life. Gentlemen, 
Ladies, work as if God were your boss. And I'm going to bless you. That's also in Ephesians 6. You'll see the precept, the commandment, and then you'll see the blessing afterwards, the promise. Okay? God's word is full of these things. That's faith and the works that go accompany it. So God is a father. He's not a genie. Okay? All right. <clears throat> I think you're with me. Have we beat that horse enough? Let's go back one more time to James chapter 2. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Where, how do you see Noah's faith? You know how you see Noah's faith? Build on an ark in the middle of dry land. Don't you know the people were laughing at him? You dummy! What are you, what are you building that great big thing for? And you know what? You know it took a lot of faith too? Even if he didn't know much about boats, that thing didn't have a rudder. It didn't have a sail. It didn't have any way to, 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 to move itself through the water. It didn't have any of that stuff. Do you understand? So I look at that, and he says, build this boat, and basically build a great big box that's just going to be carted around and floated in the water. And it, to me, that would say, Lord, is that really the design you want me to make? That's the design I want you to make. Okay, Lord, I don't understand it, but I believe it. So he's going to make this ship, this ark, in the shape that he did. And it was perfect. It was perfect for the job God wanted it to do. That's faith. That's faith and the works. Okay? So God's going to give us instructions. He's going to give us instructions of how to work our jobs. He's going to give us instructions of how to interact with our wives, our spouses. He's going to give us instructions of how to praise our children. Lord, I don't, I don't understand how that works. I'm supposed to do that to my wife? That's the way I'm supposed to treat my wife? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I'll make admit, a lot of things ladies do don't make sense to me. Okay, I'll admit that. But God is the instruction manual. He created man. He created woman. He knows how she operates. He knows what motivates her. So, Lord, I trust you. And I can tell you what, my way sure ain't working. So I go and I do things the way God says, and all of a sudden my marriage is being blessed. See, that's the faith in the works. I trust him for that. Okay. I'm going to skip through this. This is where Abraham offered Isaac. This is where Rahab hid the slaves. Notice what the faith was. The faith was manifest in an action. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Here's our boat. Let's go to Jeremiah. Let's go to Jeremiah. To me, this is one of the most incredible acts of faith. I preached this message to you probably about three years ago. And this is the message that didn't make any sense to the people he preached it to. If you remember, well, let me give you the great big picture of what was going on here. Um, Israel divided. And there was a northern Israel, which was basically ten tribes. And there was a southern Israel, which we called Judah, and that was two tribes. It was Judah and Benjamin. And for years, Israel operated under a split government. They called it Israel, and they had their set of kings, and there was ten to the north tribes. And there was two tribes to the south, and they called that Judah. And sometimes they even fought against each other. But they had different kings, and sometimes the kings were friendly, and sometimes the kings were more one another. But over years, the top tribe, Israel, were, did very wickedly. And God had enough with them, and they got overrun. Okay? So the northern ten tribes were overrun by all the bad guys. And then the southern tribes 
the two southern tribes operated and flourished for about 100 years. But after about 100 years, the southern two tribes started to operate just as wickedly as the northern. And God says, you know what? I had enough of you. And you're going to get overrun too. So they did. They got overrun. But just before they got overrun, God made a promise to them. And he said, when I overrun you, it's only going to be overrun for 70 years. 70 years. Man, this is one of the greatest acts of faith you'll ever see. Okay? So let me read this. I'm in Hebrew, I'm sorry. I'm in Jeremiah 29. And he's going to make this decree. And this is just before Judah is going to be overrun by the Babylonians. You got it? And he says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seven years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. He says, I got good news. The bad news is you're going to get overrun. The good news is in 70 years I'm going to come back and free you. Well, I can do the math. I'm 58 years old. In 70 years, that puts me at 128. That's not for me. I'm not going to get this blessing. You want me to do something that I'm not even going to see the blessing? And the answer is yes. You know what? That's faith. Evidence of things not seen. I'm not going to do anything. It's just going to help my grandchildren out. I hope I'm not so selfish. That's really the faith. And what God is telling them through Jeremiah is, Jeremiah is saying, Judah, you messed up. And you're going to get overrun. But I want you to act in this obedient way. And if you act in this obedient way, I can't even do the math. I'm looking at my son right there who's 23. 23 and 70 is 93. He probably won't be around either. So not only am I doing this just for my children, I'm probably doing it for my children's children, my grandchildren. Amen? If my kids would get going and get my wife's grandchildren. She's going to be even now. But, but you know what I mean, right? So there's going to be some commandments here. And this is the faith. It's not, Lord, please deliver me out of this. I know you. God said no. I can pray all I want. Deliver me in his office. And God's already said, no, it's not going to happen to you. And you know what? It's probably not going to happen to your children. But if you do these things that I'm going to put forth in the next couple verses, I'm going to free your great-grandchildren your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Well, do you love your family enough to do that? That's faith. Isn't that faith? Remember? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the confident expectation that in 70 years, God will come back and free this nation from the Babylonians. And when we go through history, we find out that's exactly what happened 70 years to the day. God came back and freed them up. Praise the Lord. But notice this work that was required of these people that would never benefit from the, the fruit, the, the blessing. Okay? <clears throat> Here's the blessing. Way down in verse 14. And I will be found of you. I will turn away your captivity. And I paraphrased in here. That's not exactly scripture. There's some ands, but I couldn't make it all fit on one page for you. You understand? So go back and read it. And I will be found of you, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away. That's not That one is not exactly scripture. Okay? You go back and read it. I just pulled a lot of words out of there to paraphrase it just to fit it on the screen. Okay, But notice what he said that they need to do. For I know your thoughts, 
that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end? Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Now, wait a second, God. You want me to seek you and pray to you, and there's a confident end that I have? But that's 70 years off, and I'm going to be dead by then. And God says, that's right. That's right. But that's what I want you to do. And in 70 years, I will come back. Boy, boy. That's faith. I've got to do something now, and I'm not even going to get the blessing, and my children are not going to get into the blessing. It'll be for my grandchildren. My friends, that's faith. That's what the Lord would have you to do. We watched a movie <clears throat> uh, this weekend, or I think it was Friday night. The, the, we're, we're pretty selective in the movies we rent, and there was this movie, it was, uh, it was called Little Boy. I don't know if you had ever heard about it, or the Danny Shakin's head. So we, do, we don't have cable, we don't watch the television shows. We do bring videos in once in a while. We're very selective in what we watch. But this was a kind of a neat little movie. There's a couple things. It's kind of like a, you know, eat the chicken, throw away the bones type movie. But basically what this movie was on, it was this little boy. I'm guessing he's about seven or eight years old. And his dad went off to war, World War II. And he got captured by the Japanese. And as he was captured, this little boy goes to the local priest. And he says, I want to pray for my dad. What can I do? And, and the priest, the priest didn't know what the request was, if I remember right. He says, I got a prayer request. I want God to do something for me. What can I do? And the priest reached in, and basically what he did is he tore a page out of Matthew 25. And he says, well, this is what I want you to do. Is I want you to feed the homeless, or I want you to feed the hungry, and shelter the homeless, and clothe the naked. And there was a list of about five or six things that you visit in, in the prison. And there's about five or six things that he says, I want you to do. And he tore this page out and he gave it to him. And he says, by the way, Mr. Hashimoto, who lives down the street, this Japanese that everybody's picking up, I want you to befriend him. So he wrote down this list and he had this list and he taped it to his mirror and he was working his way down this list. But during the middle of this thing, the priest finally comes up and he says, what are you praying for anyway? And you know what the little boy said? He says, my father's been captured. They don't know if he's alive or dead. And I'm praying that he'll come back alive. And the priest went, Bloop. In other words, the priest didn't realize, well, I don't think I have that much faith. And he says, this little boy. And the whole movie was about this boy working through his lists, of befriending this Japanese man, of clothing a naked man, of giving shelter to a homeless man, and just continually going out and on and up. And his mom was looking at him through, worried. His brother, big brother was making fun of him. The town was mocking him, this little boy. And the whole movie was about this little boy's faith. And it was a silly movie in a lot of ways, but it was this little boy's faith, and he was doing everything he knew to do. And of course, you can guess the end of the movie, right? The father comes back home, and, and there's a big reunion, re reuniting going on. But the only reason I share that to you is, <clears throat> this little boy, whether it was scripture or non-scriptural, it doesn't really matter. The principle's the same. God has given us some things to do. And just like farmer number one, can we really expect a crop when he's told us things to do? When he's told us to tear up our fallow ground? When he's told us to see? When he's told us to water? When he's told us to fertilize? 
Have you ever prayed for wisdom? And then not read your Bible? Have you ever prayed for wisdom and not miss church and not hear the sermons being preached? Have you ever prayed for wisdom? And that You know what you're really doing? You're saying, Lord, I want a genie, not a father. I just want you to open it up and just pour it all in there. I want to do the work to get it. Just give it to me, Lord. And you know what? He's a father and he realizes that, you know what? He might do that to you once or twice. And I'll, I'll admit, there's times in my life where he's done that very thing. He knew I was so beaten up, he was, I was so down and out that I didn't have the strength to do it. And he said, you know, in that state, he says, I'm going to hook you up, I'm just going to carry you. But many times he hasn't done it that way. And he says, listen, in my word are some things that you need to do. And I want you to do those things. And he slowly blesses and things get better and better and better. And you know what my guilt is? Is once the prayer's answered, I stopped doing the things he told me I know I'd never be doing you got it? Have you ever done that? No one's shaking their head yes. I guess I'm the only guy that's done it that way. Okay? And you keep on doing those things. And you keep on obeying. And you keep on reading. And you keep on praying. And you keep on worshiping. And you keep on getting the sermons. And you study the notes. And you read the contexts. And then you look how, Lord, open me up. Make me an open vessel. Where do these apply to my life? Okay? <clears throat> All right. Enough of that. I want to get to the to the answer, what I think is a good answer for us. I've, I've done this verse before. I think there's a good way. How do we balance this faith and this works? How do we balance what we're supposed to be doing with, with just our, our trust in God's sovereignty? And I think this these two verses is a, is a good start. If, if I had to put my arms around it, these two verses probably do better than any I've found so far. Okay? <clears throat> Let me put the whole the whole reference up here. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. This is my idea of what faith is. If God tells me to watch... Let's suppose I'm the watchman for this church. And I'm supposed to watch um, Satan trying to get in. Whether okay? he's trying to get in from within or whether he's trying to get in from without, I'm supposed to be protecting and I'm supposed to be watching. You know what this verse says? It doesn't say just go into my closet and say, Lord, please protect the church. That's not what it's saying. It says, Lord, do everything. Lord is telling me, do everything you know to do and then go to bed. That's it. So I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I'm supposed to be checking all our practices against Scripture. I'm supposed to be watching any influences or anybody that's trying to try to push our church in a doctrinal direction. I'm supposed to be doing those things. And then I do that to my best of my ability. And then you know what I do? I go to bed. And not only do I just go to bed, I go to bed and I don't worry about it. That's faith. I do everything I know to do. And then I just... Go to bed. I trust Him, Lord. And, and I don't push it. And I don't overmanage it. And I don't get up extra early. And I don't stay up extra late. That's all vanity. I just do the prudent thing. Everything that God told me to do, I do it to the best of my ability. And I say, okay, Lord, there you go. If I missed anything, please tell me. I don't want to do it on purpose. But it's yours, Lord. That's how I believe faith and works are together. Let's read that passage again. 
Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. Let's suppose we're going to build a house. Let's suppose we're going to build a local church. Did God give us some instructions of what we should be doing? Yes. We've got the greatest news in the history of the world, and that's Jesus came and died for our sins. Is that good news to, to a sinner? The answer is absolutely. And God would have us share it. And God would have us invite people. And God would have us reach out to those that are in need. Lord, would you bless our church? And then you know what I do? I go to bed. And I rest. And I don't worry about it. And I put my trust in Him. It's not fatalism. But at the same time, it's not all works, is it? It's not. There's this delicate balance. And I believe that's what farmer number two was doing. I believe that's what church number two was doing. I think that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. And I think that's what James 2 is all about. That's exactly what it is. That's that delicate balance. And may we have that kind of faith, that delicate balance. Now there's a lot of commandments in the Bible to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another. Yes. Okay, let's let's go for our marriage right now. Now don't worry, as far as I know, my marriage is in good shape, so okay? Don't 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 go reading anything. But let's suppose we just saw that movie last night, so that's why I'm thinking about that. But let's suppose our marriage was not as where it should be between husband and wife. And you know what? It probably is not where it should be. We can always be doing better. <clears throat> so I look at it, and I look at Deborah, and I see all her faults. I say, Lord, fix this, fix this in her, fix this in her. She always does this. Lord, fix this in her. Guess what our marriage is going to do? Right? That's not what the Lord says to do. I can't really change her, can I? All I can do is change me. So I look and I study what a husband is supposed to do. And I said, Lord, change me. Fix this in me. Fix this in me. Help me to do this better. I know I'm weak in this area. Help me here. And I continue. And I'm working myself. I'm working myself. And I'm like, you look her? Lord, she's your work. I trust her to you. I can't fix her. I've been working on that for 18 years now. I'm just joking. She's, she's very receptive to, you know, any suggestions or construction criticism. She, she takes it better than I take it from her, okay? Put it that way. But at the same time, the Lord would have me do everything that he says regarding marriage. And he's got a lot of instructions on marriage. He's got a lot of instructions on husbands. He's got a lot of instructions on fathers. And I said, but, but then if I have a child that doesn't pay attention to the Lord, you know what? I do everything I know to do and go to bed. Go to bed. And don't worry about it. Lord, he's in your hands now. I've done everything. He's always been in your hands. You've given me a messenger. You've given me a job to do. As far as I know, I've done that job. Not yours. Take it over, God. And you know what? There's, there's peace in that. And that's the way the Lord would have us operate. And that's the faith that unites us. It's not this laid back, waiting for God to do everything, because that's a genie. But at the same time, it's not us doing everything, because that's legalism, and that don't work either. But somewhere those two fit together, and that's the faith that binds us. We do everything we know to do, and then we chill out. We rest in Him. Lord, okay, if I forgot something, tell me. I'll be reading my Word. I'll be going to church. I'll be listening to the sermons. Maybe there's something that I'll overlook that I should be doing. But you know what? I'm not going to get up early. I'm not going to lay late. I'm not going to fret over it. Because as far as I know, I'm doing everything I know to do. And it's yours. That's our faith. May God bless you. Thank you.
notice uh, um, Sister Rhoda had a lead. She knew when we were conditioned she would never last an hour and a half. But uh, she loves singing. And what I'd like y'all to keep in mind, as y'all know, I've got her in Atlanta this next week. But if, if five or six of you can go over there and sing for her, nothing would like them her day better than that's the people over there and sing. And, and, and because of that theme on her music system is really weak, so I leave the children at home just, just for that case, you understand? But, but, but just real quiet, calm, sing for her, uh, that would really like them today. I'm so happy to see her. So I'm going to give thanks for that. She's still in her purse. She just said she hated me. Yeah. And she was really enjoying it. Yeah. So let's let's rise and sing the song we have on the line. 176. Let's let's rise and sing 176. <laughs> and for the time, I'll go to 205. <clears throat> 176. Faith is the brightest. 